Well, well, it is that time again, depending on when you downloaded Witch Car Weekly, the latest episode, which happens to be number 21. Oh, sweet. We can 21. drink in the US. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I haven't even thought of that as this. I love that that's immediately where your mind goes to. The I don't really drink. The 21st. So. Well, it's not, we haven't been doing this for 21 years. We've been yeah. doing it for just 21 weeks, which is long enough. No, we're going to keep doing it for now, as long as you like what we do. Which seems to be an opportune moment to drop in and say, get in touch with us. My name is Daniel Gardner. I'm joined by uh, Scott Newman, Associate Editor of Motor Magazine, and Andy Enright, Deputy Editor of Wheels Magazine. We are three representatives of the might of Bauer Media and our various motoring mastheads. And we get together once a week to discuss some of the things that we've been doing and some of the things that other people have been up to. Now, that aforementioned getting in touch is very simple. You can go to the website whichcar.com.au and there you will find all of the various social medias. Is, um, and yeah, any way you like. Email is a thing still these days. Electronic mail. I know. I still use it. Oh. And, I, and I get called a Luddite for that. But there we are. What's replaced electronic mail? What's the next? Well, that's my, that's my, my point. MySpace. No. MySpace. <laughs> How's your MySpace going, Andy? <laughs> Do you still have one? Yeah, the guy who befriended me first, he's... Tom. He's, he's my solid. Yeah, yeah. Tom, he's your, he's your BFF. Yeah. That's amazing. Friends Reunited. That, oh. was, that was the one. Andy will know what I'm talking about with that. An English, uh, one of the pioneers of social media that has since gone tits up. We're not talking about that today. On today's chat, we drive BMW's reborn King Coupe, Ferrari unveils a statistic-smashing firecracker, shaming photography fails, and our scariest cars. What should we talk about first? I'm going to tell you. It is the new 8 Series, BMW's G1415, depending on whether you go to Coupe or the convertible. This resurrects a mark for the, a model for the brand that has been dormant for many, many years. It is, in every shape and form, the flagship for BMW in terms of its coupes. Obviously, its flagship stand will always be the 7 Series. Um, it's got a number of other uh, models in its ranges and ranks. But the 8 Series brings back a car um, that we haven't seen since the 90s. And it is the most ostentatious, unapologetic coupe that sacrifices virtually everything in the name of being fabulous. Yes. Although, I wanted to make a quick point. There's no other really... I mean, there's really no other manufacturer where the model code is so well-known, so specific. Like, I'm trying to think of another yeah. manufacturer where, like, if you say an E46 BMW, yeah. you know, the people who know, know. You don't say, you don't go around talking about a W204 I was going to Benz say, the only other one would be Mercedes. It's a sort of people. I don't know, Porsche, you talk about a 993. Yeah, okay, a good one, yeah, people Porsche, yeah, Porsche, yeah. Porsche, Porsche is a good one. I mean, yeah, but it just I just love the model codes. You oh, know, while we're G14, on that, G14, 15, love Okay, it. so a bit of bit of trivia regarding the BMW model codes. is If you go back to the originals, which was the, the E numbers. Yes. Um, people used to wonder why there were gaps in the numbers. Why isn't it just sort of chronological and, and logical? It would just go up in a, a new number every time they launched a new model. And the reason for that is because they would de- BMW designated an E code to every car that they even had a look at. So even if it was a, a completely random concept that never made the light of day, if it was a, a mule, if it was a just a, a complete sort of one-off, they designate an E code, and they would often never see the light of day. You, they'd never be talked about. 
So when the next actual production model came out, it would seem to have jumped on many, many numbers, and no one understood why. And so if you look at the numbers in between, say, E30, E36, you can say, well, there's five cars in... No, there was an E31 that we knew about. And Bad example. Anyway, in between those numbers... E36 to 46? There you go. Yeah. How many, there's all those cars in oh there gosh. that we would probably never know about. A number of them would be concepts, and but yeah, so that's a way of looking beyond the, the web. We've gone off piece, but another while we're on this topic, the... Model code. For, that is what Witch Car Weekly is all about. Yes, going off piste. Um, the model code for the last generation, or I guess it's the current generation, two series. Does anyone know what that is? No. F twenty two. Is in the Raptor. It's a Raptor. Oh, I see. I I was. And I, the current, the new one series is going to be F forty, I believe. <laughs> I'll double check that, but I'm already sort of pretty okay. certain that it's the new BMW F forty one. I was series. asking a, a engineer at Porsche about this because I said, you know, your last two nine eleven, so the nine nine one and the nine nine two, and the next one, it can't be a nine nine three, can course. it? Because they've had that one. What's mm. what's the logic here? They're just doing a continuation series. Yeah, he just said, I don't know. <laughs> Porsche have no idea how this works. So. I think it's, in a lot of cases it matters more to us geeks than it does the yeah, manufacturers yeah. themselves. We're just, like, oh, just going to give it a number. AMG did the same thing. They pulled up the GDS and then they had the GDR and they needed to put a car in the middle and they're like, oh crap. So they made a GTC. So it doesn't make any. Uh, surely they just pick things out of. Out of thin air. But anyway, the 8 series. Yeah, I, so I, I'm, I'm keen to hear about this car. I'm, I'm the only one who hasn't driven this new one out of us three. And I'm. Well, should we go back to the original one? So, I mean, Dan and Andy, you've driven the original one. So, what did you take out of that that then you would want to see recreated in a new 8 Series? Um, From a styling perspective, uh, sacrificing a lot in the name of just being badass. Oh, yeah. The new 8 Series is irrefutably badass, as was the original. Yeah, totally. As the kids say. And the original E31. 8 Series was also. I mean, even to this day, it has a presence on the road that just makes people crane their heads as it goes past. It's it's just absurdly good looking. It hasn't dated a day. Um, it's still got all of those lovely sort of style touches like pop-up headlights which kill pedestrians mm. you can't have anymore. It's just, it is obscenely wonderful to look at and yeah, it's, it's unapologetic in the extreme. And the new 8 Series I really feel does exactly the same. It should are, be are said you, that pop-up headlights only yeah. kill pedestrians if you hit them. Yeah. Like they don't. They don't no, in and of themselves. If you unscrew them and throw them at passers-by yeah. as well, you can. But if you're walking past, past a parked eight series, you're not just gonna. It's not gonna like reach out and snap your leg off or anything. Like I li- if you know of this, then please get in touch and yeah. tell us. So the old one, which camp were you in? Eight forty or eight fifty? Because uh, yeah, eight fifty CSI. Yeah. Okay. So from the driving perspective, it had to be the forty. It was. It just drove infinitely better. There was so much. So fewer kilos up front the engine actually was a bit sweeter than the 12 cylinder 12 was but from for, from a passion perspective you know what's not to like about a v12 engine two effective two plus two coupe so yeah for the noise and the kind of just being able to say i've got a v12 bmw coupe it's the captain of industry car really isn't it it's what sorry it's like the captain of industry car yeah totally yeah totally. um same question to you andy I like the 840, I must admit. Yeah. Um, just uh, just that lighter front end. Neither sounded crap. Neither no. was slow. Did um, either drive us 850 CSI? Because that was the sort of sportier... Yeah, no, that was the one. Manual. The, I never one. got my hands on I never got my hands They're very rare. I think there's only three in the country in yeah. Australia, and they, they didn't make that many. No, to, to that was with. 5.4, wasn't it? Or yeah, they're like a 5. bigger... No, 5.6. 5.6, 5. 5. yeah. yeah. The bigger V12 and 300 yeah. now. That one obviously was the one to have, and you get it as a manual. It was only mm. available as a manual. Yeah, I think so. Who would have who ever heard of such things these days? The flagship of a huge V12 power coupe. It was manual only? We've come a long way. 
So yes, it was, but it was a fatally flawed car. It wasn't. I mean, by the, the standards of the day, it was it was quite quick, but it wasn't as fast as you'd expect a V12. No, and the, the packaging was pretty woeful, and it is a vast car. There was not a lot of space inside the thing. Um, yeah. That's that really is. That's a real BMW thing. Like the last BMW six series, like there was more space in a two series coupe than there was in the six series. Yeah, it's the Retardis. The Retardis. <laughs> the return of the Retardis. I like that very much. But and, okay, and that's probably a good point to, to switch over and start talking about the new one. Um, it still does that. You look at it on the outside; it's a massive car mm. with wonderful presence and proportions. Job done there, big tick on the styling and, and general road presence. But you get in it, and it and it really is a two, maybe plus two very small people. Two plus half. Yeah, it's it is very much a Mustang situation in there. Yeah. The, the rear seats are a gesture. What have they done with all that space? The boot isn't massive. The underbonnet space is fair. The cabin is small for a huge coupe. Where is all this space? I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. And in a one vacuum. one point of order here. Is this an eight series or is it just a, a continuation of a six? Is, is this is this a little bit of? It's a really bullshit? good question, actually, because the they can just recall it. They can they can just call it an eight series. You need to go. Oh well, fair enough. But they've priced it like an eight series. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, the car we'll talk about. We've just driven the eight fifty i, and I drove that, and I thought I'm getting a lot of vibes that I got from the last six fifty i. You know, it feels like the continuation of that, mm. but it's like. A lot more money. It's like another. Uh, it was the old M6 price, basically. So two hundred seventy thousand. Yeah. It? So yeah. it's the old six fifty. I was think was about two ten twenty or something. Yeah. So it's a lot of extra wedge for essentially the same car. Okay, it's faster. It's more technolo- technologically advanced, etc. But um, is that semantics? Like, does it really matter? They wanted to. Well, I see uh, the existence of the six and eight as being cyclical and a bit like Highlander. There can yeah, only ever be point. one. Is you, yep. they, historically, they've never run the six and the eight in, in parallel. You couldn't have mm. both at the same time. Yeah. So it's now just the age of the eight series. Yep. And sh- sure enough, the, the six will come back, but it won't be at the same time as the eight. So it's, you can have a big two-door coupe by BMW. Mm. Although they do still exist at the same time now because yeah, the six yeah, series yeah. is like a family hauler thing. Oh yeah, we can get a six grand coupe, and a, yeah, you can. Well, I don't know. It's probably about ninety-five different variants of the six series, but yeah. Should we talk, we'll talk about the car. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Because well, yes, yes, please do. Because there's a couple of things you don't like about this car. Well, let's let's start with the things I do like though. Let's because I think agreed. Looks great. Lots of presence. Yeah. Fantastic looking thing. Um, very very fast. Like for a non-M car, mm. like this new twin turbo V8 they've got, which is a non-M engine. Yeah. Three ninety kilowatts, seven fifty newton meters. Yeah. 3.7 is the claim to 100, Oof. which is pretty berserk. Yeah. Um, fundamentally, I like it's very, very talented. It's very, very capable. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little bit of half pregnant, I think, in some ways. Because I think the right, like you look at it and go, big GT. Yeah. Want to waft across, you know, big. And they've erred on the side of pretty remarkable handling. But then it is the ride's, ride's good. Good, not great. And maybe for $300,000 GT, I'd want great. Um, but are you are you perhaps asking either too much or just the wrong things from this car? Like, it is, as you already said, it is a GT. Yes. And GTs aren't supposed to carve around Nürburgring corners faster than anything else. No. They are supposed to, to balance but this, that But that feels like this thing does, that's what this thing does quite well. Like, it's remarkably agile and remarkably capable in corners. 
So you're saying it's too, it's too hardcore, it's too sharp. It's, sharp's probably the wrong word, but yeah, like it seems like yeah, they've remar- made it remarkably a good, a remarkably good handler. Like com- combination of, I guess, the inherent chassis and the four-wheel drive system in it, you can drive it really fast mm. and get rewards from that. And I guess that links with the whole BMW Ultimate Driving Machine thing. Um, yeah, I just drove it around, mm. and occasionally the ride would give me the. Chest. That's interesting because I thought Bentley improved the Continental mm. this time around by making it softer, making it yeah. a better GT car in, mm. in the true sense of the word. Because the thing is, the M8's coming. So if you want the balls out ball terror, yeah, go and get the M8. And There's then a lot of mention of balls in that last sort of comparison. <laughs> I like balls. Um, <laughs> wow! Okay, <laughs> for the Team America fans out there. Um, yeah, Adam, but you tell me what were your th- what were your thoughts? Well, I used it for just ferrying more than two people to the pub and back again Ooh. on a very wet and windy evening. And for those purposes, heated seats, heated steering wheel, um, mm. uh, excellent sound system, beautiful interior lighting. It did the job of making you feel like you were somewhere else other than a wet and horrid Melbourne. So you put someone in the back. I did. It and was the... actually one of our other journalists, Noel Faulkner, who as oh, that... over. <laughs> like, sorry, Noel, but that doesn't Noel. really count. Yes, like... exactly. She actually said I. She volunteered because she is only visible with an electron microscope. Yes, right. Um, so yeah, so I did put three adults in a in an eight series, but that's yeah. probably yeah. Um, f- for the purposes that I used it for, it was glorious. It just it took you away from a, a, a shitty day and week in Melbourne and made you feel very very special. It's interesting because I basically took it out and thrashed the pants off it because I only had it for like a morning. (laughs) So I thought I'd see what this thing's like. I'm Um, glad that we've, you know, we've tested both of its main facets. Uh, There's a couple of things you don't like about it also. I think Um, the, I I have a real problem with the current generation of BMW interiors and I'm happy to hear other thoughts on this, but I just think it's... Not a big fan of Swarovski crystal. Not particularly premium. I don't think it's, I don't like the digital dial. I don't like the digital instruments. I think... It's a retrograde step over the beautiful analog instruments BMW had. And like we were talking about this off air, and it was like certain things you accept because there is a, a benefit. There is a safety benefit. Yeah. Like, for instance, um, you know, um, electronic power steering. Uh, sorry, electric power steering. Mm. You need that now for various safety systems and such like that. Fair enough. They're the brake by wire in the 8 Series. Again, you need that for autonomous driving. Why do you need digital dials? Just to display more meaningless information that you're never going to read. And if you do want to read it, why isn't it in the heads-up display, <laughs> which this car doesn't have? I can't really, I can't argue with any of your points there. Apart And yes, agreed. I think that's sort of, is that bordering on um, subjective? I don't know. But what, yeah, I, might be. what yeah. I will say is that I don't like any tachometer that goes the wrong way. And yeah. it does in the 8 Series. What's the point? Uh, the French did it first in their... 308 I think it was. oh no probably didn't before that Vantage did it in 06 absolutely pointless just make the taco go the right way there is being different for the sake of it and then there's being different for a reason and this is just being different for the sake of it um, we've talked about the 8 series for, for far longer than I intended um, unless you have any final remarks to add I have one I um, thought there might be just, I can tell Annie's body language just, uh, just looking forward to that uh, BMW M8 Scotty and I had a chance to talk to Marcus Flash who's a head of M division oh, um, brilliant name and, yeah it's really he previously headed up the 8 series development and, and he was really really bullish about the uh 911 turbo he? killer exactly you might come to regret that when the new 992 <laughs> come turbo comes out did, but... he, did he just think that Porsche wasn't going to do a new one <laughs> i don't know because <laughs> I, I mean know. that's a little bit foolhardy isn't it yeah well maybe it's not maybe the m8 is 
Maybe it's a superlative. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, yes, I'd like it to be because hmm. yeah, we all like. Uh, in Australia, we like we don't we like to see the tall poppies chopped down every now and then. Yeah. Unless they're us. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, right. I would like to talk about something else. I understand you would too. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it. That's yeah. probably a little bit too much behind the scene detail. Let's talk about it anyway. Um, there was a very important car, another extremely significant car revealed this week. It was, of course, the latest Ferrari, and it's not just any Ferrari. It is their new performance halo, effectively mm. replacing the LaFerrari. But it well, didn't, did not it? Not really, and that's no. the thing here. So the SF90 Stradale is a new model that is significantly different in many ways, but most notably, it isn't a limited production uh, model in the same way that all of the previous hyperbolic versions like the LaFerrari, like the Enzo, have been. So it will be made in more than 500. Correct. But this, the other significant thing is it is the most powerful road car the company's ever made. Mm-hmm. It's also a plug-in hybrid. Mm-hmm. It also can be a front-wheel drive el- pure electric car, which is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, be able to drive it through London's congestion charge zone for free. Totally or weird. Ax- Axel tramping your way through <laughs> <laughs> centre of London. How weird would it be to see that thing? And it looks obscenely good, yeah. just gliding past silently. It just yeah. doesn't seem right. What do we think? Any, you know, I thing? think it's it's quite a special looking thing. Mm. Um, it introduces a lot of new elements of design language for Ferrari, both inside the vehicle and out. Um, mm. It's obviously a new technological milestone for the company. Um, yeah, I like it. Um, I, I can't help but feel a little bit, you know, if, if we're thinking this is a million-dollar car, how how engaged should I be with this thing? Is this a bit of nonsense? Is it a bit of fluff? But I I can't help but think I'm impressed by what Ferrari have done here. So just to explain what the car is, because I've seen all the comments around, oh, what is this thing? So... Essentially, Ferrari's model range, as you know it now, is effectively dead. So the what was the 488 will split. It'll go up, which is this car, the S5 SF90, mm-hmm. in terms of performance and price. And it'll sort of go steady or down, which should be... Dino. Dino. It won't, I don't think it'll be called a Dino. Mm. But it will be a, probably a V6 hybrid sports car focus more on fun than outright performance. Why and that's a car you call I'm, that a Dino? Oh, I don't know. But oh, that's a car I'm really excited so, about. So totally. the F8 Tributo, the 488 successor, is an evolutionary dead end, is it? It is, essentially. That This is pure speculation, but it feels a bit like a car that needed to live for like 18 months while they sorted all their new hybrid stuff out okay. um, to prevent a gap in the range. And the GT thing will do similar. So what you know is currently the Portofino and the 812. Supposedly, Ferrari's GT cars will become... Softer, we'll see the first one, I think, in not too in a couple of months, won't be far away, and that should also be hybrid. May use this engine, may not. Uh, it may be the first V6, there's lots of things we don't know at the moment. Um, but the GTs are going to go more GT, sports cars will go sort of more sports car, uh, and of course, there's the Pura Sangue, which is not an SUV but is an SUV. Wait, hang on, what have they confirmed the name of they? Yeah, oh, wait, I didn't know that. Huh. Okay, so what do they call it? It's not an SUV or whatever. Oh, it's that's what I call it. Pure blood, pure sunlight, pure yeah, blood. In oh, I see. It's, it's going to be a Ferrari activity vehicle. How very droll. So one thing that I can't, I've tried to confirm this morning, but haven't yet, is whether this car is the first on their new set of platforms. Which I think it is. Yeah. Which it kind of has to be because it's, it's got so old now. The the mid-engine V8 platform. Yeah, listen, the F8 is technically a four five eight, which is ten years old. Yeah. And I've seen comments going around. Oh, it's still just an evolution of a four five eight. It can't be because the four five eight had no 
um, provision for high battery Electric storage, station, had yeah. no provision for new electrical system yeah, to power yeah. this fresh new interior. But anyway, so everything will basically be run off two platforms, the mid-engine, pla- they're both mid-engine, but sort of the sports car platform and the GT platform. Um, On to the SF90, I think it looks very cool. I mean, it's, like Andy says, it's hard to sort of care too much. It's a million-dollar-plus car. It's going to be bought by extremely wealthy people. Who Has already been bought by a lot of... Who aren't going to really use it. Like, where can you use 0 to 200 in 6.7 seconds? Yeah, no, that's not the 0 to 100. That's the 0 to 200. 0 to 200. I mean, Andy, have we all... We've all driven McLarens, and Andy, have driven yeah. the 720S, which is yeah. 7.3, I think, to, uh, to 200. So this is significantly quicker. Yeah, and the thought of a car being significantly quicker and being able to use all that power because it's yeah. all drive, yeah. just... I, like I can't, I can't, I can't that, think yeah. how you're ever going to reach full throttle in it ever. Yeah. Like except in, if you're on like Fuji Speedway with a kilometre long straightaway. But I know several people in the room who will give it a bloody good try. Yeah. Ferrari put out a little film with the thing doing lovely little smoky drifts around corners, Ooh. and I got a fizzy tingle. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand horsepower, a thousand horsepower, five hundred seventy-four kilowatts. That is. Zero to one hundred and two seven hundred and thirty-five kilowatts. Actually. Oh, sorry, that's just the engine alone, isn't it? Five hundred. Yeah, so the engine alone is seven eighty CV metric yeah. horsepower to so CV, which is something less than seven hundred and eighty. Yeah. Um, just bonkers! Like, I yeah. mean, what's the ceiling that's when it comes to these big, cars? That's a big e-boost too. Mm. Like, that's two hundred yeah. kilowatts of electric systems. Yeah. Has it got a kind of Honda NSXy? architecture thing going on with the electric motors yes yeah, so it's got two three electric motors it's got one in between the gearbox and the engine okay uh which i assume will act as like starter motor um blah 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 blah, blah a torque fuel probably as well and then they've got one on each front wheel which then allows it to have a four-wheel drive and b pure torque vectoring they can send they can control each wheel individually uh eight-speed gearbox now mm-hmm. all new um yeah stiffer stiffer chassis it's got a, this new engine four liter engine so it's gone up from 3.9 to four liter i think it's just a continuation of the pista engine but you know more more everything yeah. extra it is, it is a, it's a bit of a quantum leap for ferrari really it's got yeah, a lot of downforce yeah. 390 kilos yeah. at 250 kilo 250 k's now so uh so a GD3 RS, I just wrote this, but it makes a lot less than that. Like it's, I think a GD3 RS is about 170 kilos or something. Yeah. So this is almost double that. That's a lot of downward pressure. I can't wait to hear how many minutes faster around Fiorano it is than an oh, F40. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Poor it's old actually thing. not that much faster than up. the LaFerrari, though. I think it's 0.7 of a second around Fiorano. Will they bang it on the Nürburgring as well? Or not they won't. Sport Auto probably will. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they can find someone bold enough. One final question, then, on this significant jump forward for Ferrari uh, is, do we care? Do we care if it goes to the Nürburgring? No. No, I just don't think... I think those it's, days are gone. In the same way that you spoke about it's 0 to 200 time, yeah. 0 to 100 is, is defunct and old and dead now. Yeah. In, in the same way that, you know, how fast a car will go in the Nürburgring is kind of like... It's just... It's not It's not a known... It's not a quantifiable thing. We can't no. imagine what how that translates to day-to-day performance. It's just no. irrelevant. Exactly. No, it's, it's completely unverified. It's in the hands of manufacturers yeah. and... And it's, the, track, it's, it's, the changes of the track. The changes of the track and the drivers who do it are just... Aliens, they're mm, not yeah. <laughs> people like us. You did once have a job doing exactly that, didn't you? Yeah, you, and, and you effectively just calling yourself some kind of extraterrestrial. No, I, I, I just know where the track goes. Um, the, these, <laughs> <laughs> and you get a very, very clear delineation of, of where your talents lie and where these guys who are setting lap times there lie. And it's 
If you just heard a little bit of interference, then that was Scotty Newman backing away from the microphone so you could have a little burp. Um, we were going to talk about bad <laughs> photography. So much um, for the, to, to the One of our segments this week. We, we don't have time. We will talk about that next week, though. Uh, we're going to jump straight to a vehicle that Andy can't talk about. I know that sounds like pointless, but we can talk about it. But in, uh, unless you are listening to this at a point after the 7th of June... Uh, the Camaro ZL1 is under embargo. Andy has just finished driving that. He can't talk about anything in the way of driving impressions, but it did, did give you an idea for our final talk segment of the week. Yeah, I was, I was imagining this like hypothetical vehicle that that that, that came to Australia and was uh, because of ADR regulations was on the wrong tire and it was very very terrifying as a result of being on <laughs> a, a much less focused tire than that which it was engineered for. Um, and that, that got me thinking. Um, a lot of people talk about how cars are homogenised these days, how they're not exciting, how they're mm. not scary, how they feel just buttoned down, safe, and you can drive them really, really quickly and, and not really get a whole lot from them. Um, but well, I can expand on this somewhat, because I actually can talk about the ZL1, because I drove one on that day that had nothing to do with HSV. It was a US spec imported ZL1. So again, nothing to do with HSV. I can talk about it. Lovely. Um, and A, it was on the correct tyres. So you'd think, yes, that's good. That's that's context. But unfortunately, the flip side of that is it had an extra 300 kilowatts. <laughs> and being a Hennessy Exorcist, it had 1,000 horsepower. So I suspect oh, that... two 1,000 horsepower cars and one which car we yeah. can Great. Consumer advice. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and buy them both. So I suspect my experience was quite similar to Andy's in that I had a car that didn't have anywhere near the amount of tractive effort that it needed for its horsepower. Um, and that was probably one of the scariest cars I've ever driven. Is it just impossible to use? I mean, should we be allowed... Better question. Should we be allowing people to buy these cars? Oh, that's a real can of worms. Where does, that's why I asked it, Where's the line? I mean, the people who own this car seem to drive it very, very slowly, so it doesn't really matter. And then you go, well, why do you have 1,000 horsepower then? Until they're leaving a car show and there's people yeah. watching, and then they will do a massive pirouette in the road and kill everyone. Well, with all the systems on, it is. it just basically tries to turn itself inside out. You're just, left with, <laughs> you're just blinded by a constantly flashing orange light <laughs> as the traction control goes, help! <laughs> um, with some of the systems relaxed, it is... Uh, it it needs more respect than any other car I've ever driven. No, really. The combination of ten gears. Yeah. So you're always in a power band, and you, even yeah. in high gears, you're still relatively, you know, going. You're still in the power band. Like it would be, you could throttle steer it in fifth gear with no on like half half throttle. Serious. Um and glorious. It is. It was sort of fun, but. You're also travelling at a fearsome rate by the time you're doing that, so it's just like, hey, help. Um, I hope you got video. No, we didn't get video. Oh, so. Scotty, what are you doing? You can't uh, tell us these things and not have any pics or it didn't happen. Have you never heard the expression? We've got pics. Yeah, We've got wow. pics. So, okay, um, that's half as good. But that's probably mine. So, Andy, what's yeah. the scariest car you've ever driven? Um, I think the scariest car I've ever driven was a Mustang. Um, and it was a very particular Mustang. It was the third... Um, a thousand horsepower car that we're wedging into this consumer advice show. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a Steeder Q Mustang at um, the Silver State Classic race in oh, yes. in America. I got got to drive that on a closed road, and that was very similar kind of thing. That had that had no tractional stability control because it was an old 
Fox Body Mustang. Oh my oh, god! And yeah. uh, it was uh, yeah, it was it was more akin to powering the most ridiculous hovercraft you've ever <laughs> imagined. <laughs> it did sort of various degrees of yore, and you're going at this enormous speed. And Not known just... for its aerodynamic no. qualities, the Fox Body Mustang. No, 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 that was, uh, that was probably the scariest. Um, it's weird when you get that level of horsepower. You've got that yeah. limitless sense of, like, the car will never, if you keep your foot down, it'll essentially accelerate at the same rate. Until, Forever. I don't know, yeah. until you hit a tree, I suppose. <laughs> the scariest, I, I don't know about the scariest modern car you can buy. Maybe... For me, the 720S would be up there. It's sort of similar. This, like, it's got more... Like, even though it's got a great chassis on it, it's still got more power that it can yeah, really use. Yeah, it can feel unmanageable at times, yeah. that power delivery in the 720S. But I think the Ferrari 812, super fast for me, maybe. Oh, just this, just the manic power of that thing mm. and, and the fact that you can switch the controls off bit by bit by bit <laughs> and, until you're a bit frightened. I can go one better than both Ooh, of you. Oh, one-upmanship. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it's, the, the the prime directive here is the scariest car. Mm. This is right. not going to be an Uno Turbo story, it's, is it? That could have been. <laughs> it could have been. I do try and talk about my dear old Uno Turbo wherever possible, but it's not. It is the Infiniti Q60. Oh, hell yeah. Because <laughs> it's not a 1,000 horsepower, it's 300 kilowatts. But the problem is... It can is use you, about 14 of those. If you go to the website or the brochure, it says it has something called... <clears throat> Advanced vehicle dynamic control paired with traction control system. It doesn't. No. Because you drive it and it will just let you do anything you want, mm. seemingly with no electronic intervention whatsoever. Yeah. The problem with that is you expect it to have something in the way of stability yes. control. Now, if you jump in a thousand horsepower, Hennessy, whatever, mm. you kind of know what you're up against. Mm. In this car, it's sold as a perfectly reasonable road car with a turbocharged v6 yes. fine you think great i can get away with a bit of stupidity looks good too looks you, a great looking car you can't and that's what makes it the scariest car far more scary than a thousand horsepower mustang Agreed. or a supercharged camaro that car is i have a real theme about that car it's just like i've driven it a couple of times and you're right you have no comprehension of what it's going to do next i no. remember taking off like in you know in the the, the drag lane for want of a better word it was <laughs> it was damp but i was like i was next to like a yaris or something so i'm like oh, i'll just get ahead of them gave it like you know, 40% throttle, half throttle. It was wet, so like smooth. Yeah. The turbos came on to get a bit of acceleration. Yeah. It's then gone at like 50 degrees to the original angle of, <laughs> angle of yeah. original um, direction of travel yeah. next to this poor Yaris with no ASP intervention. And it then finally kicked in when I got like, you know, three quarters of a turn of us opposite lock yeah. on. And that's just, you know, By people which go, stage, oh, a, yeah, a people... mortal driver, yeah. normal human being. Would have just exploded. The people, because they people, oh, you drove. It's not. We're talking about this car in that it can do things when you're just trying to drive it. Yep. You're not trying to drive it quickly because that's a whole different can of worms. You'll pull out onto an intersection that's got so much power that it could light up its tyres at like 100, 110 k's an hour. Yeah. And you don't know what it's going to do. There you go. Frankly, gentlemen, it is a miracle that we are all still alive. But we will endeavour to stay with the living. At least for another seven days. For another seven days. when We will bring all of the uh, our favourite matters once again to you. What do you... Oh, yes, of course, yes. Andy is gesticulating at the sheet of paper that I often refer to uh, and reminding me I have to plug the Witch Car television series that is up to its penultimate episode on Sunday afternoon. For season one. For season one. I cannot confirm or deny whether there's a second season. There might be. 
Uh, tune in this after, uh, Sunday afternoon on Channel 10. Uh, and if you've missed any of those, the last four episodes are available on 10Play. Until next week, gentlemen, when I hope we will all be back, uh, the likelihood is, of course, increased that one of us won't because the weather is terrible in Melbourne. So do, if you're listening out there, uh, do take care on the roads. And until next time, um, uh, yeah, bring us all your favourite stories about you don't manage to keep all the rubber and things on in contact with the road. My name is Daniel Gardner. That is Scott Newman. That is Andy Enright. Thank you for listening. <laughs>